We are already on our fifth chapter, which I'm, I can't believe how quickly we're going through all of this. Um, so today our, our lesson is on family of God, a sense of community. Uh, and, and we've already gone through uh, what are our images of God, how do we see and understand God, how do we see ourselves in relationship to God, and uh, let's see, what is it uh, as far as our, our spiritual memory, when are the times we've experienced God, touchstones there, the kingdom of God, and how the challenge of releasing things so that we are free and open to receive God's presence and the kingdom of God. And today, um, Don and Nancy Montgomery will be leading us in, in examining the place of spiritual community. And, and that is so wonderful because that's a big part of why we're having this unified class. The purpose of the unified class is to occasionally come together as a more unified group and be able to intermix in, in ways that we may not normally in our separate Sunday school classes and to be able to then be re-energized and take that back into our Sunday school classes, our small groups, and, and uh, have a, a greater sense of a unified community. In our discussion time, which we've been having each, each week, um, I want to remind us that while we would really encourage everyone to speak up, participate, share their thoughts and feelings, um, there's also the freedom to not do that that it's all right if you don't have something to say or sometimes people are a little bit shy and, and just would like to listen, to be able to say, I'm, you know, I'm just listening or pass. Um, so we don't want to pressure people to feel they have to speak, but we want to give room and opportunity to speak because that's how we get to know one another. So before um, Nancy and Don uh, come up to share with us, I'd like to, um, for us to pray. Lord God, we thank you that we have the freedom and the opportunity to come and gather with those who are seeking you. And we ask that you would open our hearts and minds to receive what you have to offer us, that we would hear you speak through scripture, through one another, and that not only would we hear, but we would have the courage to act on what you place within us. We ask this all in your son Jesus' name, knowing that he came to make this all possible. Amen. Well, like Edith said, we were lucky and fortunate to be involved in the group that's planning this series, this Sunday School, all together. And the goal of, of joining the whole church together on one book sounded just so good to me at the time. And it's been so good until this week when it was like, oh, what was I thinking volunteering that we would do this? <laughs> and we're teachers. We were teachers. We shouldn't be nervous. And we're not Roger and Verna Barrett, okay, So who used to teach classes together all the time. We've taught grad classes together, and it did not go real well. It was... <laughs> 
It was a, let's plan this out, Don. No, just jump in when you want to, Nancy. And I'm like, oh. So we're hoping that with the Lord's guidance, this will be a little bit smoother. But we had some guidance from Edith this week that was very, very helpful. We met with her and her wisdom and the Lord's presence. And we prayed and we studied and we got rid of a lot of what we were thinking and went back to who we are. And during that time at Edith's house, she um, brought out this quote. And it hit both Don and me as as really what this is all about, this book in in a nutshell. Christian spiritual formation is intentional, is communal, requires our engagement, is accomplished by the Holy Spirit for the glory of God and service of others, and has at its means and end the imitation of Christ. And we thought that sums up everything. So uh, we'll have that printed out for you too. So today, the focus is on intentional and communal. Today, the, the whole walk really is an intentional walk that we're choosing, but we need to do it together. So much of what um, your work, walk with Christ is, is together. You know, here he is early on in his ministry, and he goes to the Sea of Galilee where some of our buddies just stood and watched and looked. But Christ goes there, and he calls the fishermen, you know, drop your nets, follow me. And they do. They leave this life of individual fishing and go and follow him. Matthew, the taxpayer, goes and follows him. They work together as a community, as a family. Not all the same, all extremely different. It, on and on, Paul in Corinthians says, you know, one member suffers, we all suffer. Luke writes about the followers gathering in homes. We hear very, very few times about someone individually on their walk. Hudson says in his book, the kingdom of God is never a private banquet. I thought that was really cool. It's always about us all together with our good parts and our bad parts. I remember a sermon that really affected me that Pastor Dave preached when we first started talking about future story. And he stood in the pulpit and he sat there and he he took his arm out and he said, you know what? He says, I am here to say that every one of you who knows Jesus has seen him and has come to know him through seeing him in someone else. Jesus came to us in some way through someone else. Also, Hudson says in his book there, as he talks through, he says, gospel life is life together. And I think sometimes we forget about that, just going to church, sitting in the, you know, in the pew, listening to the sermon, going home the week, go back to church, sit, and we're missing that whole idea of its life together. Even in the ancients, that was an important thing, to be in a commune constantly, throughout the early part of the church. Uh, If you go into uh, St. Patrick, the Celtics, that's what he had. It's the commune. That's why it just spread wildly throughout Ireland until the seat in Rome decided he was too popular and they changed items. But it was that family life together. And, And when I say family life together, yeah, families, we all have our good points. I should say the good, the bad, and the ugly. But we're all family. 
and we cooperate together. It's the same with the church. And I think it's really important to keep that entire key there. So our lesson today, our spiritual experiment, our holy experiment, the focus of what we're going to think about, talk about, pray about, and work on this week is spiritual friendship. It's moving together on the journey to discover our spiritual identity. It's going in a group. It's going with a special friend. It's intentionally working to follow God's path, to listen to God's word, to hear what God wants of us. So in, in Hudson's book, he gave a wonderful story, and I'd like to share it with you. Once upon a time, the water of life, seeking to make itself known on the face of earth, bubbled up in an artesian well and began to flow freely and strongly. The thirsty thronged to the well and drank gratefully of its life-giving water. However... It was not long before decisions were made to fence the well, charge entrance fees, make elaborate laws as to who could come to the well. And soon the well was protected property of the elite and powerful. Angry and offended by these decisions, the water stopped flowing and began to bubble up elsewhere. Those who owned the first well were so consumed by the bureaucracy and the legislative paperwork, they did not notice that the water had gone elsewhere. They continued selling non-existent water, and few people noticed that its life-giving power was gone. Sadly, the same fate overtook the artesian well, the new one, and again the water of life sought another place, and this process has been repeatedly going on throughout recorded history. That story to me had a huge impact, and it, it really spoke to me but when I got hung up on thinking we were going to explain it and teach it and talk about it together, I got real, real um, insecure. When I was teaching, I learned that we all learn differently. Okay? Some of us learn information by touching it, doing it, making it. Some of us learn information by seeing it. Some of us learn information by hearing it. So I learned as a teacher to rotate my verbs. I learned that if I wanted to really talk well to a group of second graders, I would say, do you see what I'm saying? Hear this. Touch this. Put your head around this. And it helped draw them in. Well, I got to thinking this story and what did it mean to me. And I also got intimidated because I started thinking about the discipleship team, which was a huge, wonderful experience for me. But it was also sitting between Eric Ward and David Moss and listening to them and me thinking, I can't, I can't begin to understand what these guys are talking about in some ways. They, they are prolific readers. They access their information and their faith and their Christ through words through the books. And so surely then I must be wrong by the way I took in my Christ. And then I realized, no, no, not so, Nancy. I have my place on this team. I have this place on my team because I take in my Christ and my access to God and my relationship with him through eyes, through people, through walking, through being. Okay? That's okay. 
And it's absolutely okay for Eric and David and Pastor Dave to, to do their reading. And Edith is a huge, huge person of the scriptures who can interpret it. She has the wisdom to see past it. And so I start to be a little more comfortable as I meet with my friends on the discipleship team. And I felt like, thank you, God. I'm not all that goofy, okay? <laughs> so I looked at this story in my head. My head knew that you were supposed to talk about the Pharisees. You're supposed to talk about, you know, the uh, leaders of the different denominations and the, and the theologians and so forth. But my heart was saying, oh, no, no, no. That's not what it means to me at all. And then we decided that was okay. Let me share what I saw from this story. So what I saw, what I heard, and what I felt from this story was that living water was Christ, the Holy Spirit, bubbling up in life all over the place. When he bubbled up, he came to me in people. When I read it, I remembered when I was in college, I worked at a camp, not Camp Wakanda, go figure, okay? <coughs> and it was a camp in Boston, Massachusetts, and it was for inner city um, people to come out for a week. And there was a mini camp on the grounds that was for senior citizens, older women only, no men. And there was a lady who oversaw it who was a nun. Her name was Sister Grace. And I spent every minute that I didn't have a responsibility at the regular camp, hightailing it down to talk with Sister Grace. She was bubbling water to me. When she prayed, I felt the Holy Spirit. When we talked, I knew that Christ was talking. I understood more because of her bubbling water. But just like that, there were people in my life who fenced that spirit in. At my camp, Wakanda, I encountered someone who I worked with who, who made me feel like I was all wrong because they were, their stance on some of the interpretations of the scriptures was differently, different than mine. But they didn't walk that walk. And that blew my mind, and that took many years to get past in terms of fencing in my Holy Spirit. That's my interpretation, okay? My interpretation of this story. But as you sit out there at the table, you all have your own interpretation. And the cool part about it is that I can sit and talk with Carol, and I can listen, and hers can be completely different. But I can grow in my understanding of the faith journey and of our Christ through Carol's conversation with, with the table. I can do the same thing with Betty. As Betty shares in her table what it is and what that story means to her, if I listen, it's okay that we communicate differently because the Holy Spirit binds us all together. So we've got an exercise, and we're going to give you about 10 minutes to talk in your team tables. And it's, we want, what does the story of the living waters mean to you? Can you share times when the waters have been fenced in and times when the waters have bubbled over in your life? So we'll take about 10 minutes and do that, please. And then someone, if you would, share with the rest of us.
had a nice fence put up for me on the idea of baptism because of the college I went to, I was told full immersion. And it really bothered me in talking to my minister and back and forth. And it took me about two or three years to finally think, I'm all right, it's okay. That is how they believe. And I found out more other people have other beliefs about uh, baptism. But that really had one, in fact, lost a friend at that time over that whole thing. He just said, you're wrong. And that just did it. Boom. <laughs> and I thought, this is at 3 o'clock in the morning in the summer, sitting outside having discussion. And that really, that, and, and it's a shame. I wish I could get back with him. But he said, it's wrong. And I just did it to me. Just put that fence up. And I'm over that now. I wish I could see him, but I don't know where he is or anything, but that's what happens. Um, what does the story of Living Waters mean to you? Can anyone want to share? Anyone from the group? There was a whole lot of Yeah, there was a lot. <laughs> Here, Carl. I guess uh, I wanted to share the opposite of when, maybe when the waters moved away. Um, I was volunteering for uh, Autism Speaks, and we had organized this big walk at the Hall of Fame and, you know, big event with the DJ radio DJs and all kinds of people contributing from the community and, and what have you, and um, we didn't end up raising the funds necessary for the National Autism Speaks to approve the walk for the following year, so the whole big event got canceled. So it was after a lot of time and uh, momentum coming to a screeching halt. It was a time when, you know, we'd all worked together over a period of two or three years to bring this walk together and make this event happen in Canton. And, and it was a big, fulfilling, fun event that people come back to year after year and remembered the previous year. And it had, you know, almost become a ritual or a routine for some of these people. And it it gained a lot of exposure for the Autism Speaks program, uh, and because we didn't raise enough funding for the program, the walk got canceled and the whole event got canceled, and it was it was kind of like, you know, if you want to compare it to water, it's kind of like the desert or something. You know, it's, it's the time when, when this big flowing movement moved away and we no longer had, uh, you know, the, the walk and, and everything just kind of came to a screeching halt. So I guess that's time when the water's moved away. Okay, thank you. Anyone else like to share? No, I'd like to ask you, what got you interested in autism speech? Oh. <laughs> I, I volunteer with several organizations, and autism speech was just one of many organizations that I spend my time doing, and it was just a good it was just a good place to spend my time. Is you know, volunteering usually brings about a lot of quality people that want to be community orientated and, and do things. And Autism Speaks was just one of those opportunities. Thank you. Anyone else? One of the things that that came up at our table that um, while the focus of the question was a lot about. Um, how others can sometimes block the flow of, of God's spirit. Um, we also went in the direction of times when we fence the spirit in ourselves. And um, so um, I, d I, f 
felt that that was kind of an interesting thought. Yeah, never thought of that. Thank you. Anyone else? Oh, sorry. Stand up. I just uh, stand up. Okay, stand up. Um, maybe it's because I'm a church professional, but when I start thinking of you know Living Waters kind of going into stagnation, I start thinking about the things that institutions do to us, that, um, you know, a corporate church, a church that has rules and regulations and hierarchies and puts things in the way of people and, and their spiritual growth. And, um, and I hope we don't ever become that kind of church. That's okay. Thank you. Anyone else like to share? Um, I just appreciate how this congregation and I expressed having grown up here and then moved away for quite some time and then coming back <laughs> and the waters bubbling up here around me and how comforting that has been in this uh, growth period for me but also expressing my curiosity in how the waters are bubbling elsewhere. Uh, so we also talked about um, some of the larger mega churches and how the water is bubbling there differently for different people. And people, much to Nancy's point, um, whereas my version of Bible study comes one way, someone else's study of the word comes in another way. So how the waters are bubbling and they may not be bubbling as, you know, big here, but they're bubbling somewhere else and it's a good thing. Okay. Thank you. Um, the more I reflect um, on the second question, about waters being fenced in and waters being able to flow freely. <clears throat> I think that I want to journal about this. I want to talk about this more in my own life because I can see how um, I got fenced in in so many ways, um, maybe in seminary, um, in, in the Navy, especially the Navy. Um, and. Um, and I think what Edith said about when we have fenced in Holy Spirit. And um, that's something to really explore for me. Um, and because I want the Spirit to flow in my life. Because I believe the Holy Spirit, that's how people will see Jesus. Mm -hmm. and, um, and also about the marvelous times when the water has bubbled over. Um, to remember that and to claim that. Thank you. As we talk about this idea of family, a person becomes a person through other people. The African proverb reminds me of no man is an island. You just have to have that relationship and there's a difference in the relationship with my people that I worked with at work. I grew up with them, you know. They watched 
um, when I say birth, death, weddings, whatever, but there's something different because it is not the Christian spiritual family, and there can be no I without you. We had a difficult decision to make. Uh, Nancy and I, about a year ago, we started to make a decision. Do we leave Canton, Ohio, and go to Columbus? That's where our children are, our grandchildren, and we'd like to be there for a lot of the events and just some of the activity that goes on there. And we would talk about it. We looked around Columbus for some condominiums and things here or there, and we would have, not arguments over it, but make that little T-chart and try to think which was better. And... <laughs> Never. <laughs> and it, it was really a difficult decision. And I, you know, in a discussion with her, I said, you know, I can't. I can't do this. I said, I have grown up here with all my friends, especially the friends at Christ Presbyterian Church. Uh, the small group, the Bible study. I'm a vulnerable person. If I'm not talking to you in charge, I'll sit at that table and I'll keep quiet and I will listen to you. Uh, I did that a lot. She tried to get me into a small group, into Bible study for a long time. So about 12 years ago, 12 years ago was it we started all the small groups and walked all the, watched all the people coming in and go, oh, I know that, 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 okay. But slowly, slowly we developed that family group through Christ, God, Holy Spirit. <laughs> I can't say anything. But that's important to me. And, and every word he said is right in terms of for him to stand up here and share this is a huge, huge, huge deal. Um, we spent a lot of time in our marriage um, going to Don's church and my church before we would come to Christ Church. And then it was, okay, I'll worship at Christ Church. We can raise the kids here at Christ Church, but don't ask me to be a member of this church. And um, I'd say he changed his mind on that one. <laughs> so small groups are different. Small groups are critical. If we really, really do have as a goal that Christ Church would be an active, moving, faithful community, we need small groups. And that's why Don and I decided to, to say, okay, yeah, we'll do this Sunday. And okay, yes, we will work with small groups at Christ Press. What we're going to do, we don't know yet. We're still working our way through that. But we're going to try to facilitate more small groups and encourage the groups that are there and have some communication between those groups so that, you know, if one group is doing a good study, then the other group gets that idea. Or if one group found a great restaurant, then the other group will get that idea. You know, so a way to share and to communicate together. When you're a part of a small group, there's a safety network that you can share your questions about your faith. And they won't think you're crazy. And there's a safety net in that you know someone will always be there for you. And they will see the ugly, and they're still there for you, because that's what Christ does. And when you're in a small group, you also become more validated in who you are, because 
somebody listens to you and says, huh, I hear what you're saying. That makes sense. So it's, it, it's wonderful things. And I know in a lot of ways we're sort of preaching to the choir because I know a lot of you are in small groups. But I think it's very, very important for us to remember that it's intentional. And so if we can be intentional talking about our small group to other people, it might encourage them to join one. It might encourage them to start one. Our small group is, is pretty tight, like Don said. It's not very small. We've got 15 people in it now, okay? But it's a tight, tight family. And someone um, gave us a rock in our garden, and it says, friends become your chosen family. It's intentional. It's intentional. You choose to be a part of a group, and you choose to stay, even if maybe they hurt your feelings once in a while or don't understand what you're talking about or something like that. And we know, we know, and we can stand here and tell you that the strength of the small group is the Holy Spirit. Point blank. So we have spent five weeks now together, and at each table is a small group. Um, when we talked about doing the Sunday school class, we talked about trying to move everybody around. Ha, that doesn't happen very often. And we tend to go in and sit at the same seat with the same people because it's a lot safer. Okay? So, but some of us have moved around, and hopefully all of you feel that it's okay to not share, and it's okay to share. But most of all, to listen, and to listen to, to what's in your head and what God's saying and what our friends are saying. So what we'd like to do now is do a small group experiment, a little small group lesson. And it was in the book, and it's very similar to the Lecto Divino that Pastor Davis taught us to do as we study scripture. But it's a way to share together a scripture and to sort of just put it out there. So what we'd ask you to do, and the guidelines are all on this piece of paper that Linda just passed out to you, but as your group and only your group, we'd ask you to now offer a prayer that Christ speak to your hearts, that you have someone read John 15 that's on here slowly so that you can all hear it, and then you listen carefully. Each of us listen carefully to the word that sort of hits our head over and over and over, or the phrase that hits our head or our heart over and over. Then read the scripture two more times. Again, searching. Is that the word that I'm hearing? Is that the phrase I'm supposed to be hearing? Not supposed to for Kevin or the guy sitting next to me. What is God saying to me through this scripture? And then take a moment of silence and then share, if you wish to, your response to this scripture. And then we're going to end with prayer around your table. You end with prayer. We're going to take about 10 minutes at the most to do this. And remember, it's what's Christ putting in your heart. It's not a comprehension test. Okay? <laughs> you were talking and sharing, but we're running out of time. And we sort of want to use our time wisely these last few minutes. So... Is there, is there a group who would like to share what this experience was for you? What did you take away from it?
Sure. Carl. Uh, I just picked out the words, keep my commandments, because in any organization or any group or any family, there's always some sort of commandments that make structure that if you follow, you know, that person's structure, that that person offers you their love and their care and their their time and their wisdom. So within any group, there's, you know, there's always rules or something, guidelines that facilitate a relationship and joy and, and love. Thanks. Anyone else? I liked remain. That was my favorite word. It made me feel safe. It made me feel steady. It made me know that God was never going to leave me. Remain. Small groups are all different, just like we are different. Uh, Don and I have sort of done a little um, visit, but not really talking, you know, intentionally about what does your small group do. But in talking with other friends in other small groups, our small groups at Christ Press are very different. Some are very driven to study a book, study a book, study a book. Some to study a chapter in the Bible. Some do more of a social deal. Some people do more of a sharing of parenting. I was involved in a small group years and years and years ago at Christ Press of a bunch of women who met in a house on our own. There was no small group title to it. We just said, we can't do this by ourselves. You know, let's get together and let's talk about what, what a mom's supposed to be doing and how she's supposed to be doing it. And, and from that, we prayed for our kids. I learned so much. When our boys were bit, little itty-bitties, one of the ladies taught me that she prayed then for the lady he was going to marry. And I did that for our boys their entire life. When they went to the prom, Lord, please be with that lady he's going to marry, wherever she is going to, whatever prom she's going to, you know. And it, was, it sounded crazy. It was so rewarding. And when I could look those girls our daughter-in-laws, in the eye at that wedding and say, I prayed for you. And it was you that I prayed for all this time, I know. There were a few times where they were dating girls and I thought, I don't think so, God. <laughs> you know? But anyway, small groups are all different. So what we're passing out to you now is if you're not in a small group, but you have an interest to be in one, but you don't have an idea which one or how or whatever, if you would just sign on this paper or if you have an idea of a new small group to start, you don't want to be involved in it, but you've got an idea, put that down too. Any information you want to give to us. The last kernel I'd like to share is we talked about small groups. We talked about the whole community. The one part we haven't really talked about is, is the Barnabas and the Timothy that we have talked about and heard about at Christ Church for the last two years. And Future Story rolled out, and that probably, to me, was the biggest... Um, the biggest change in where I walked, and that was Pastor Dave challenged us to find a Barnabas, to find a teacher, to find someone to work with, to grow with, to study with, to pray with, and to do the same thing, to reach out to a young, younger person or someone growing in their faith. They may be older than us, and find a Timothy. I'm here to tell you I was on the Future Story team, I'm on the Disciple team, and I have yet to do that. It's huge intimidating to me. I have had huge Barnabases in my life, but they are people who God put there. And not that he won't put the next Barnabas there, but I think that God is calling me to look at it intentionally, to look at these people and say, who, who should I ask to grow with me? So... 
<laughs> okay, but Jerry, don't do it intentionally. And I, I think, and I'm, so anyways, that's what, that's what we need to, to end on, that thought. I need to throw that out there to you. You may be like me. You may have not taken that next step. So do that search, do that walk, and, and think about it. But before we end, take this with you. It's on the back of the paper. Christian spiritual formation is intentional, is communal, requires our engagement, is accomplished by the Holy Spirit and the glory of God in service for others, and has at its means and end the imitation of Christ. That's the goal. So we also have a handout that's sort of in a nutshell, a challenge for group community, and that's the one and others. Take this home and, and put it to some thought and to some prayer. And Don, I'd like to close. If you bow our heads in prayer, pray, please. Gracious God, help us to be intentional on our journey. Help us to open up and to seek. Be with all the friends around the tables here today and those we're not able to join us. Help us to make a difference in the world to bring your glory. Amen. Amen. Sure.